Welcome back to another episode of Dad Teaches Me About Wine. It's the podcast that teaches you as much as you've been pretending that you know about wine. I am Madeline Quigley. And I'm Matt Quigley. Hey, Dad. Hello. Yeah, I just happened to see on TV... Or sorry, I read in a magazine that um, WQED did this whole one-hour special on Pittsburgh's jazz scene. You know, yeah. Pittsburgh at one point had like... Yeah. So, um, it's only showing twice, and this is the second time, so it's kind of my last chance to... So, Matt, give you a hard time? Yeah, because the Pens game's on. So... So, are you able to record it? Well, no, it's 7 o'clock. Okay. Well, we're good. We're recording. We are. Yes. Okay. So, welcome back. Hello. Um, I'm excited for tonight. Yes, we have a wonderful wine. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I feel like we normally record in the middle of the afternoon, and sometimes there's still stuff I want to do, like go to the gym or do some work, and so I don't fully drink my wine. But like, I don't know. It's late on a Sunday. I'm I'm down for it. You don't have anything to say to that? Happy for you. You're ha- okay. Cool. I'm just doing a quick check to see if we got any iTunes reviews. No, we haven't, guys. I'm trying to give you shout-outs. Can you please just write us a review on Campers, iTunes? Campers, I'm very disappointed with last night's sing-along. Yeah. Come on, guys. It takes two seconds. And then I'll give you a shout I, like, came here to give someone a shout-out. Didn't happen. Whatever. Um... So today we are back to En Francais, our tour, our tour de France, right? Correct. And we have done two regions already on our tour de France. We've done an episode on the Loire Valley and an episode on Alsace. Correct. And so today we are moving on to... Burgundy. Burgundy. That's a big one. Yeah, this is the... Sweet spot of world wine. This is it. A lot of people would consider this is it, yes. Wow. This yeah. is a big episode then. Yep. Burgundy. So I'm nervous. Kind because of. it's a big episode, I brought out a relatively big wine. Um, so this is a Moray Sandinet. It is a village wine. So it's important to know that according to the AOC rules in France... You have premier, or you have Grand Cru, which is the top of the pyramid, then Premier Cru, first growth, and then uh, below that are village wines. So these are wines that come entirely from the designated village. So this is a Marais Saint-Denis, which is a village wine, but it's actually a particular um vineyard within the village. Okay, I'm going to stop you real quick. Sure. Uh cuz we're kind of getting on a roll there. Um so out of all of the wine made in France in different AOCs, mm-hmm. there are three types of wines that come out of there. No, there's lots more. No, no. Oh, really? Yes. But three of the big ones are Grand Cru. So Starting from the top to the bottom, you have the Grand Cru, which are 
designated vineyards, which over time have been uh, recognized as being the absolute top. Got it. Then you have Premier Cru, which are vineyards which aren't necessarily absolute top, but are very good. And then you have what is termed village wine, but among village wine, it can either be from a particular vineyard or it can be from anywhere within the village. But isn't village wine also when, like, wine doesn't fit the restriction? Oh, no, that's wine of the country. Correct. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting confused. Okay. Yes. So wine of the country is different than village wine. Oh, my Very God. big difference. Very big difference. Sure. So, vill- so wine of the village still conforms to all the AOC rules in terms of how the wine is made. So a, uh, a village wine is still a burgundy, but wine of the country doesn't have any a- AOC attached to it. Correct. Okay. It could be anything. Okay. That was a little... I got a little confused there for a second yeah. on wine of the country and village sure. wine. So this is village wine, but it's like a higher end village wine. Right, because it's a single vineyard, because it's designated as a particular vineyard. Is a village wine a good way to get like some bang for your buck? Is it a good way to like try cheap wine from expensive areas? Absolutely. So nice guys, getting the cheat sheet. Yeah, for instance, this is a Marais Saint Denis, which is we'll explain later is from the Cote de Nuit. So that's the northern end of the Cote d'Or. So it's a village wine because it's not a premier or grand cru, but it is from a particular vineyard. So the vineyard is uh, in La Rue de Verguet. So there's no way that... Yeah, it's one particular vineyard. How much do you think you pronounce that correctly? Pretty close. Okay. I I know restaurant French. Okay. So... If you look at the map that's provided, which you will provide later. Oh, he's asking me to post something on Instagram. Yeah. Do you guys follow us on Instagram? At Dad Teaches Me About Wine. So you'll find out that somehow I just miraculously picked a village vineyard that happens to be adjacent to a Grand Cru vineyard. Okay, so this village is, this wine is right close by some of the tippy top best wine spitting distance so why isn't it also grown crew why is it village wine compared to the stuff right by it because of all of the records kept by the monks all the way back to the 14th century analyzing each little plot of land in burgundy from which they designated the um, the top and then middle. So they're using then, like 500-year-old rules? Well, yes and no. The, the designations occurred in the 19th century. <clears throat> but by that time, the understanding of what each plot could do sort of become accepted. Okay, that's cool. Um, so basically, you just gave us like a really good wine to get because it's inexpensive or sorry i don't know if it's inexpensive i doubt it's inexpensive but it's less than grand crew well let's put it this way it's about a third or a quarter of the price of the vineyard just next door right and is it and because it's in burgundy it's the same grape same process absolutely so this is all pinot noir okay and 
uh, it is, you know, vinified in the exact same manner. I mean, I don't know about the amount of... One great verse another. Well, no, I don't know about the barrel, you know, how much new oak versus whatever in terms of how it was made. But the most important part of the lineage, which is where the grapes come from, is pretty close to top notch. So what do they? what's the place next door? Uh, next door would be Clos de Bees and Clos de Tarte. Do those also grow Pinot Noir? Yes, absolutely. And those are Grand Cru vineyards, and those are bottles that'll cost two, three, four hundred dollars. Is Burgundy your favorite? Uh, take a taste. And yeah, we haven't me. even tried this. I think it needs to open up a little bit. Have you let it breathe? Yes, it's been breathing while you were running around. Yes, that's a lot. That's a lot. There's a lot going on. <laughs> There's a lot going on here. It's a big wine. Yeah, it's a beautiful wine. Beautifully balanced. It's an 05. Oh, this uh, is some fancy wine I feel like we're drinking, eh? I told you it's a celebration tonight because we're doing Burgundy, my favorite piece of wine making in the, in the planet. I just asked you if it's your favorite. This particular wine? Oh, I meant Burgundy. Is Burgundy your well, favorite? Well, it's, yes. it's my favorite in the sense that... Uh, I think it makes the most wonderful expression of Pinot in the world. It's not my favorite because it tends to be incredibly expensive. So you really have to do your homework in order to find wines that are reasonably priced. Okay. So, I mean, I probably bought this wine in 2008 and I probably paid 40 or $50 for it back then. Oh, so this is wine you've been aging for a decade. I thought you picked this up at the state store today. Uh, bzzzt, no. So you are letting me sip something good from your... Cellar. Cellar. Yes. It's yes. a good thing it's a day that I'm into it and not like, I gotta go to the gym later. Uh, I guess spit so. Spit bucket. I guess so. Guys, we've never done a spit bucket. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... We kind of dived right in. Maybe let's right. take it back a couple notches and start talking about No, we Burgundy. need an aerial view. Yeah, we need an aerial view. Good call. Right. So Burgundy is actually a huge area within France. Mm-hmm. So we're towards the eastern end. Uh, we're above the Rhone Valley. Mm-hmm. So we're uh, between... Um, uh, so Lyon would be the very southern end uh, of the area, and then Bone itself is sort of in the middle of what's called the Côte d'Or. So there are a number of different areas of Burgundy. What so is Burgundy shape wide. like? Uh, it's a big blob. Okay. Um, because it extends... A, uh, many kilometers from north to south. So it's this like area sliver in the middle. Well, yeah, except there, what it is is a collection of various boundaries. Mm-hmm. So it isn't one boundary that's that's burgundy. Oh, really? It's a number of different areas that when you do the circle collectively become burgundy. I get that, but at the same time, like 
if it goes so far north to south, don't you think it's a little different? Oh, it's, it's very different. So it's like it is completely different. Then it's crazy to call. I mean, well, I guess that's how it but goes. But the problem is that if you buy a bottle that says Bourgogne, which is Burgundy, it means that the grapes could come from any of these different areas. So yeah, you need and to it's understand. Different. Right. So oh. you need to understand all the different areas that are encompassed by that word. Of course. You think you know something? Well, there's more work. There's more. Right. You can't just know the burgundy part. Okay. So, starting from north to south. Is that how we're going to do it? I think we should talk about, like, I think you should go over a little bit, like, what types of grape are grown in burgundy. I'll do that. Can you do that just at the start a little bit? I don't want to, like... All right. Well, the short of it is, through most of burgundy, it's going to be Chardonnay and Pinot Noir, our classic cold weather grapes. But as we get to the very end of Bourgogne, we actually include Beaujolais, which is the um, Gamay grape. So Beaujolais is part of... Part of the greater Bourgogne, Burgundy, yeah. Although it's a a totally separate area with different grapes. Okay, but it is part of... There's a lot going on here. Absolutely. That's why I think it may make sense to start north-south, so you get a kind of a quick overview. Yeah, overview being the operative word. Yeah. So at the very top, you have Chablis, which is all Chardonnay, which is all white wine. Is it spelled C-H-A-B-L-I-S? Correct. Chablis. Uh, among the uneducated, yes. I love pronouncing words incorrectly, incorrectly like a nice peanut grigrio. So I think Chablis is going to be my new one. Okay, sorry. Yeah, that's up there. Chardonnay. So then you go about 50 kilometers south and you get to what most people think of as Burgundy, which is actually called the Cote d'Or. So the Cote d'Or is a very narrow corridor of vineyards along what used to be N74, which is now a different number highway. Oh, okay. But it's pretty much north-south, and virtually all the vineyards are on the western side, um, facing east. And um, the Cote d'Or contains the greatest Pinot and Chardonnay areas probably in the world. Is this wine from the Cote d'Or? Yes. Cool. Gruel. So the Cote d'Or is further broken down by the Cote de Nuit and then the Cote de Bone. So the northern half is the Cote de Nuit, based on uh, Nuit Saint-Georges, which is a little tiny, cute town. And then the Cote de Bone, which is based in the town of Bone, uh, which is goes back to medieval times, has probably more starred Michelin restaurants than you could shake a stick at. Uh, and well, is, certainly I could shake a stick at. Yeah. Uh, and is really a wonderful place to visit uh, when you're doing your wine thing. So when people talk about Burgundy, they're virtually always talking about the Cote d'Or. Really? Which is the, the sweet spot. So are oh. those towns really touristy with like wine people? Yes. To like going to Napa? Very much so, Ugh. especially during the summer. Yes. Uh, everybody running up and down. Is it French people or like foreigners too? Everybody in the world. Oh gosh. Yeah. Sounds like my worst nightmare. <laughs> now, still part of Burgundy under the Bourgogne 
Yeah, the big Appalachian, big, big Appalachian, the big AOC. You go just south of the Cote d'Or and you get to the Cote Chalonnet. So the Cote Chalonnet. Yeah. And then further south is the Cote Mecon, Meconnet, from mm-hmm. which the Mecon wines originate. M-E-C-O-N. Right, Mekon and Mekone, which is M A C O N N A I S E. Are those different grapes? Nope. Mekon and what grape is that? Principally Chardonnay with some Pinot Noir. Last night I told you that Hemingway was drinking Mekon and you said that's not good wine. Allow me to finish. It's not good? It is not Cote d'Or. So. The Cote d'Or is the exemplar, the Nikon of the best Pinot. In the was that best. a camera reference? No, a Nikon is a, is a camera, but it's also a word that means the uh, something that is worshipped as the best there is. Is it spelled the same? Yes. M-I-K, so that's what Nikon is referring to? Correct. Good word. What do you think Canon is referring to? I have no idea. Someone's name probably. Someone's name. Okay. <laughs> so the Nikon of the Cote d'Or is the Nikon of Burgundy. No. No, the Cote d'Or is the Nikon of all the wines of Burgundy. So the best, to put it in... Simpler English, the best Pinot and the best Chardonnay come from the Cote d'Or. Yeah, I got it. Right. But most of the people listening to this broadcast have no hope of affording these wines because they're very expensive, most of them. So the values are to be found in the Cote Chalonnay and the Cote Macanay. The Mecon? The Mecon. And then finally, south of that, just before you get to the Rhone Valley, is um, uh, the Gamay-based Beaujolais. Beaujolais. Yep. So the the but the um, what the heck the best bargains to be found are they village wines from within the areas outside of Cote d'Or. Yeah, depending on how much money you want to spend. So, Not much. Well, good village wines are going to be 30 to 50 range in the Cote d'Or. Okay. Uh, Premier Cru's are going to be pushing 100, Grand Cru's a couple hundred. Mm-hmm. However, you go to the uh, Cote Chalonnet. And you're looking at wines more in the $20 range. For Grand Cru? No, they don't have Grand Cru there. Oh, These they're... are not classified vineyards. There are simply areas that grow um, Pinot and Chardonnay. Oh, okay. And then finally, when you go further south into the, the Mackinac, you're going to see very good bargains, Mekon. Wines, M-A-C-O-N, oftentimes with a hyphenated village attached to it, which are a little bit better than just Mekon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those wines are more the 10 to $15 range, and they're all Chardonnays. And then in Beaujolais, I know you 
you talk we've talked about Bo- Nouveau Beaujolais and how it's kind of given the area a bad rep, but they Correct. also but they it's also Pinots. No, it's Gamay. Oh yeah, you already said that. Sorry. Right. It's a it's a very different grape. It's a different wine. Um, generally not as profound as Pinot, but a good uh, Beaujolais, a good Gamay. Um, is on sort of equal footing with an, I would say, an average Pinot. So wait, what do you mean an average Pinot? Oh, just like across a good, the board. Across like the a board. good village wine from the Cote d'Or would be sort of an uh, equivalent experience to drinking a really good Beaujolais, say from Morgan or Fleury. So these are there's like I believe ten different area designations within Beaujolais. So you never want to get a Beaujolais wine per se. So you want to look for the specific areas. So uh, among the areas, Morgan uh, and Fleury are are two wonderful examples of of great wine. Okay, can you explain why uh, the wine we're drinking, can you say the name of it again and explain why it's a good deal? Right, so this is from Moray Saint Denis. So Moray Saint Denis is one of the areas in the uh, Cote de Nuit. Is it a vineyard or an area? No, it's a village actually. In the what's the Cote de Nuit? It's the northern part of the Cote d'Or. Okay. So, so the Cote d'Or is that small sliver. Right. And the northern part is it the, the Cote de Nuit. Okay. And it contains some of the most expensive, most famous vineyards in the world. Okay. Um, Chambertin and the DR, what are called the DRC wines, Domaine, Ro- Domaine Romani Conti, it's the most expensive burgundies in the world. These are wines that are released between two and three thousand dollars a bottle. Things like Latache, uh, Richborg. If you watch Sideways, uh, these things are referred to. Uh, in the movie, uh-huh. and these are incredibly expensive wines, and they come from the Cote de Nuit. But for us mortals who want to sort of get an idea of what these wines may taste like, as I said, there are openings in the village wines, or if you have some more money, the Premier Cru wines. So this is a village wine in the Maurice Saint Denis, which is kind of right in the middle of the, which is just. Um, just uh, north of Chambault, Mosinet, which is another village, uh, and it's just south of the Chambertin. So, do you think the people who can afford those big wines appreciate them? No. Isn't that sad? The people with the money probably just buy it because they can? Yep. Unfortunately, because of the pricing of these wines they've become trophies that are affordable only to people who have ridiculous amounts of money and the reality is that most of those people really have no wine education they 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 simply collect trophies which is sad but that's the truth both in burgundy as well as bordeaux and the first growths of bordeaux become ridiculously expensive all over $1,000 a bottle on release. Who drinks $1,000 bottle of wine? You know? Yeah. Only people who are trophy collectors. And, yeah. But, so what that means is that you have to be very smart when it comes to wine. 
So you have to work hard and pay attention and do a lot of reading and research. Absolutely. So what you don't I'm, say. <laughs> so what I'm trying to do is give you a little bit of shortcut. Yeah, you guys. Which is that yeah. the village wines uh, from excellent villages tend to be pretty good. If you get if you download some of the um, vineyard maps, you can get an idea of what vineyards are adjacent to the top vineyards. Like this particular village wine is adjacent to a Grand Cru vineyard, so some of it's going to rub off. And within the Cote d'Or is also the best Chardonnay, considered the best Chardonnay in the world, from areas like Merceau, um, Poulnay Montrachet, Cassinet Montrachet, all around uh, the Montrachet vineyard, which is uh, hallowed ground for Chardonnay. These are wines that can last for easily for 30 years. So when uh, when you and your brother gave your mom and I that uh, dinner at the uh, French restaurant, I brought a 1990 Batard Montrachet, which okay. is a Grand Cru from 1990. So it was about time. 28 years old and it was beautiful. I'm happy to hear that. Um, I guess then my question would be, can you name a couple areas? Cause these get really specific because Mon, Monrie, what is this? What we have? Moray Sundanay. Yeah. I didn't want to go for it. Um, that's like a specific area you said. It's a village. Yeah. So that's a village where you look and you can find some village wines that are worth checking out and, you know, within an average per well, not an average person, but... If you want to spend a little, money, a little bit of money on wine, but not a ridiculous amount, can you name a couple? I'm sorry to put you on the spot here, but do you know of any other areas that we're not going to give them the answer, but if people want to pull up some maps and look for some smaller village wine? All you need to do is to download a map of the Cote d'Or and you'll be able to see each of the villages as they line up north to south. So you go from Chambertin to Moray Saint-Denis to... Um, um, to uh, Chambertin and then you eventually get to Bone and then south of Bone is all the great white wine producing areas uh, but before you get there there's a couple of wonderful red wine areas Volnay um, and one other that I'm forgetting and then you get to Merceau and the Montrachet areas so familiarize yourself with that map and those village names. And when you go to the wine store, when you see those same villages, you'll get an idea of, you know, where these wines come from and then start looking for single vineyards within the villages because mm -hmm. these are going to be wines that are more, uh, better crafted because they come from a more designated vineyard geographic area. Yeah. Because they have a specific vineyard on right. there. Right. Now, these are wines, as I said, are going to run you 40 or 50. Now, if you want to spend less money, um, you can go to the Chalonnet, Cote Chalonnet. So, areas like Vire Classe, V-E-R-E. Wait, where is this? South. So, this isn't part of the Cote d'Or. This isn't Cote d'Or. But these are serious winemaking areas that, are, that pay attention when they make... Um, Chardonnay. And you don't need to look for village wine within these. You can just kind of look for what's available. Well, it is a village. It's Vera Classe. Okay. 
All right. So VR Class A is a it would be a a, a very good twenty dollar Chardonnay. Do you think if people go ahead and buy a bottle of some village wine like this from somewhere in the Cote d'Or, they should maybe just spring for two bottles and put one away like you did for 10 years? Only if they know what they're doing. I knew what I was doing, so that's why I put this down. This is a wonderful vintage 2005 from a vineyard next to a Grand Cru. So the basics, though, would be like cool, dark place on its side. To store wine? Yeah. Yeah. Dark, cool, no more than like 60 degrees, somewhere in your basement. On its side, right? Absolutely, because you have to keep the cork wet so it doesn't dry out and then oxidize the wine. So if, if people have a spot in their basement that's cool, that is our entire basement, cool, dark, and... Yes, and yeah. no vibration. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, well... Anyways, find like a, a dank corner of your basement to shove this for 10 years if you are wondering. That could be a nice thing to do. Absolutely. <laughs> You're like, yeah, duh, that would be a nice thing to do. Like, <laughs> Let me, um, and then let me talk about two other areas that are uh, wonderful values. Yeah, so we're far south in the Mackinac, so the Cote Mackinac. So we talked about make-home wines, which tend to be lower, kind of lower-end Chardonnays, 10 to $15 a bottle, better off if it's a make-home hyphenated village, because then that restricts where the wine's made from. But <clears throat> within the Mackinac, there's two areas that have achieved um, specific um, uh, recognition um, for making uh, good Chardonnays, and that's Puy Fuisse and Saint-Veron. So these are two... Chardonnay. So these are two small designated areas within a very large area, which is the Mackinac. So the Mackinac, big area. So these are two very small areas. So Puy Fuisse and Saint-Veron. Now be careful, don't confuse Puy Fuisse with Puy Fumé. My God, you love making this distinction well but that's a sauvignon blanc from the loire valley is mm -hmm. the fume the fuise when we were at the Lu in the loire valley you made the same <laughs> comment well it it's it's a rookie mistake and it frequently happens poi fume and poi fuse <laughs> pui pui right pui fuise is the chardonnay fume is the Sauvignon Blanc. Okay. Honestly, I probably taste them and not know the difference, so I'd be happy either way, I'm sure. I'm like, white wine! <laughs> Yay! You should get, for an episode, a, a Puy Fume and a Puy Fuse or whatever, and see if I can figure out which one's which. Could you? In a heartbeat. Could I? Yes. Well then, yeah, I think I'd feel really good about myself if you did that. Yeah, there's... If, there is very little difficulty in telling the difference between Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay, even on the nose. You wouldn't even have to taste the wine mm -hmm. because the Sauvignon Blanc is all grassy, citrus, and the Chardonnay is the oak, buttery, 
totally different notes. I hope you guys are listening because I'm kind of like, okay, all right, grassy, all right, Sauvignon Blanc, oaky, buttery, Chardonnay. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, cool. Well, I think that's a good overview. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Um, it, um, you could spend your lifetime trying to figure out Burgundy. I have, uh, <laughs> you know, there, because of the Napoleonic, um, inheritance laws, the vineyards got broken up into areas that are, you know, no bigger than your backyard in, in some cases. Really? Well, well you're familiar our backyard or other people's backyard? Other people. You're familiar with the Napoleonic Code? Nope. Well, it dictated that um, all uh, inheritance had to be equally distributed among the male children. Okay. So what that meant was that the vineyard, which was which was six acres, if there were six sons, they each got, got an acre. Got divided up into one acre each. Huh, interesting. So as a result, Burgundy got sliced and diced into these little tiny parcels. There you go. That's why even named vineyards frequently have multiple owners who may own literally two rows of vines really? in a vineyard. Yeah. Cool. Well, this was a great wine and this was a great episode. My pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks dad. Um, well guys, you know what I'm going to say. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of dad teaches me about wine. If you would be so inclined to leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play. We're actually now on Google Play. I didn't tell you that, Dad. We were on Stitcher and iTunes, and I did not have us in the Google Play store yet. We got approved today to be Congrats. in the... Yeah, so uh, tell your friend, your Android friends, a.k.a. my dad that uses an Android. Uh, you can listen to Dad Teaches Me About Wine. Then... Um, if you want to leave us a review on anything, though, we would really, really appreciate that. I'll even start checking our Android Google Play Store reviews. Otherwise, uh, questions, comments, concerns, and corrections can be sent to dadteachesmeaboutwine at gmail.com. Our Instagram, which is the best place to follow for up-to-date information on the show um, and just, you know, general more fun information is at dad teaches me about wine. Even if you don't have an Instagram, you can access that by going to www.instagram.com slash dad teaches me about wine. Otherwise, I think that's it. Time for cheers. Cheers. <laughs>